Hi, Joe. Hi. Hi. What's going on with you? I'm tired, man. I'm tired. I got in. Got in at 3 a.m. last night from Hawaii. Um, took the kids, and uh, yeah, we got. Oh, a the kids flight. went on that. I didn't know the yeah. kids went on that. Oh, yeah, a little Memorial Day jaunt, quick one. Uh, and it was fun. It was a good time, but I'm tired. We got in at 3 a.m. Get to the house at four. You know, oh, uh, well, kids, kids didn't go to school today because I did not want to wake up and on an hour of sleep and take, I mean, it would have been a disaster. So, you know, yeah, we'll be lucky if they let us continue on at, at the school we're at because we've missed so many days of school. It's it's ludicrous. It's crazy. Do you know how many days I missed as a kid? My dad took me on road trip after road trip after road trip. And it wasn't just mm-hmm. the summer. I missed so much school. And at some point, I know it's a different era. I know everybody's all worried about that stuff. But my God, who cares? You get the so much better than sitting in a classroom. And yeah. and you're, you're learning they're with their family. They're learning about Hawaii, they're learning about different parts of the world when they're, I, I don't know, I just think all that stuff's so so overrated and ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's funny, because I was with Sandler, with Adam Sandler, and, and uh, we had this exact conversation, because his kids were there, and, you know, they had their friends, and, you know, they're in high school, some of them are in high school, and uh, he, was, he asked me, he goes, are you all nuts about college, and getting your kids into the good college. He's like, so many of these parents are just, it's all about the college and working towards, you know, what school you're going to go to. And, I, and I'm like, no, I'm just not. And he's the same way. He goes, I don't give a fuck. He's like, as long as they're happy, you know, and, and they're thriving, then whatever. You know, in college these days, you know, you never want to tell children not to go to college. But, I mean, what does it do? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm as speaking as a dad who, you know, pulled every string in the string book that he had to help both daughters get into schools. Um, but ultimately, they not only earned their way in, but earned their way through. And in the case of Trudy, graduated cum laude mm-hmm. from USC. But that's all a preamble to say. I feel like it's also overrated. It's, 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 I don't want to say it's a scam because there are certain things that you can't, like, I, I couldn't just be a, I don't feel like I could do somebody's taxes. I, it would take forever mm-hmm. for me to learn how to understand the business world. But I, so I think, you know, business school, certain trades, different things that you're trying to learn, totally valid. You got to go someplace, learn how to do it, learn the basics and grow from there. But but most things like broadcasting, what I do for a living, acting, what you do for a living, or if there's music, whatever there might be, you have to get in and do it. And, mm-hmm. and most of the time, college is spent fucking off and going to parties and do whatever. I, I personally feel the, the biggest benefit of going to college is learning how to be on your own and, and not being and not living right. under mom and dad's roof and having That's some really responsibility yeah, and beyond I that i you don't learn until you get into the world and you get into the workforce and you get into whatever it is you think you want to do and you learn about it and grow and you figure out shortcuts and you understand ways to get things done that they probably couldn't teach you in college so i mm-hmm. i'm with you and whatever you and sandler talked about i mean my daughter was roommates with olivia jade with uh, Massimo mm-hmm. Giannulli, who's my our good friend, uh, his daughter, and I, so she's seen. We've seen all sides of this thing, and I just I feel like at the end of the day, it's it's more on the side of it's just not worth the stress that's involved mm-hmm. with any of. But it becomes a parent's keeping up with the Joneses. It becomes a parent's competition. To say, oh, well, we've raised these brilliant young people that are going to Yale and Brown and MIT and Harvard and USC or Indiana or Iowa or Arkansas. Who cares? It doesn't matter. And it doesn't make you a better parent. 
It's, mm-hmm. it, but it, the parents care more than the kids. I honestly believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about what you do with it. You know, I think we just assume that all of our kids are mature and ready to learn at the age of 17, leaving high school. But we're all a little bit different, and I was definitely different. I wasn't ready to learn until I was a little bit late, older, in my early 20s, mid-20s. That's when I had desires to know about the world, and I wanted to read, and I wanted to learn about history and how things work and why these things happened. <clears throat> but in college, I, I was not ready to do that. I mean, my mind was not there, you know? And some and some kids, it's different. Some people come in ready, prepared, ready to like take on the world and fill their brains with, you know, with with knowledge and and see what happens. I was not, I was not there. You know, I just wasn't, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. You know, I mean, but I agree with you. It's more about the experience. It's more about living on your own. It's more about budgeting yourself, managing, you know, your time and and your finances. You know, if you have them and. And all that shit. That that's really what it was for me, you know. Yeah. And some of the great minds, some of the pioneers, some of the sort of you know game changers as far as mankind goes, didn't fucking go to college. Some of them barely graduated high school, you know. Yeah, so, I know. I know. But I, I talk about each this their all own. The time. I'm, I never would knock education in any way, but <clears throat> this idea that you just go to college and you get a degree and boom, now you're set. You're good. You're good to enter the life, the, the workforce. And, and that's just, there's just no world. You know, I, 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 it's just so particular and specific to that person, you know. But, yep. but yeah, so I don't know. We'll see what my kids want to do. <laughs> Hopefully they make it through high school. Yeah, but after high school, then you, you, I think you, there should be a little time to reevaluate. And, and when somebody wants to get into broadcasting, like they asked me, little kids that want to do play by play or whatever, it's like you think you want to do that. I get it. It looks phenomenal, but you got to get into the business and some end of it and mm-hmm. try every piece of it and see maybe, maybe that's not for you. Maybe that's mm-hmm. not what your love is. You think it is, but you get in and now you start writing articles for some online website or you are blog or mm-hmm. you're doing call-in shows or you're, you know, whatever it is, it, 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 there are a lot of different avenues in all these different businesses. But I, I, I honestly believe, and it's, it's become more, maybe it's just a little community I live in, in St. Louis where, you know, if you come to St. Louis, the running joke is you'll meet somebody and they'll go, Oh, what school did you go to? And that is their way of, first of all, that means what high school did you go to? That doesn't Mm -hmm. mean what college did you go to? And secondly, that's them putting you in a box going, Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, like for me, I'm a country day kid. So I went to country day. So they know I went to school every day with a coat and tie. They know that my parents had some money. They know that, uh, that I, it was, it was, it's a great prep school, not knocking it. But it's like, oh, well, it's not a public school. And public mm-hmm. schools are great in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, some of my smartest friends went to public school that are, thanks. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just keep going. No, that's, that's, that just stopped me in my tracks and I'm about <laughs> to throw up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but then I think of Doogie Hauser. You know, that makes me think of Doogie Hauser. And, <clears throat> and yeah, Doogie Hauser, ne- he needed formal medical training at the age yeah. of 12 yes. to, to then go on and have the career that he had. So had he not gone to whatever school he went to, I don't think he just rolls right out of fourth grade and is doing no heart transplants. Who knows where Doogie Hauser would be right now? You know what I mean? If he didn't have he that drive and motivation. Yeah. If he skipped college, he, I mean, there would be no TV show. I mean, there'd be no t- yeah, and that was a documentary, which a lot of people. It was a documentary, know, so yeah. It was a yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It's a docu series. Yeah. So, how would you feel? I mean, think about it. If you're laying there and the monitors are going and the beeping, and you're maybe you're on a ventilator and and you're clinging to life, and you open your eyes and and you can barely just make out light and a figure, and then you realize that your your surgeon is eleven. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a comforting feeling if you know that that 11-year-old finished some high-profile medical school. Then exactly. you're like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to exactly. get off this. 
I will walk out this door because this little boy is going to operate on me and I'm going to be fine. Right. But then he there's like, no, 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 check out his credentials. And then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I feel better now. Right. And that, that episode's like where he's, again, this is a documentary. Yes, he's going through puberty and they're at the mm-hmm. go-kart track and, and he's mm-hmm. having his first love. And, and he's also performing major surgeries and removing a gallbladder and then going home and his mom and dad are yelling at him. And Yeah. I mean, it's like... You know, Doogie Howser actually he was he was losing his virginity, and Condom goes on, and boom, you know he loses his virginity, and right in the middle his pager goes off, and he has to just hop out of bed and be like, "Sorry, I, I gotta go. I I have there's an appendectomy that I gotta deal with." Right there, and he grabs his keys. He's not old enough to drive. But he, he grabs his drive. keys. He can't drive, so he waits for his mom to pick him up. Right. Well, and, yeah, he's got to wake her up because she's been she's sleeping, you know. Right. So he's got to. Well, I thought he was at the girl's house. I'm, we're probably confusing different episodes. No, I think she's at his house because he's on call. So it's like, well, you, I have to be here so my mommy can take me to the to the hospital to perform surgeries, you know, in case there's an emergency appendectomy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so he, you know, grabs his smokes. He goes out of the room. His gets into the back of his mom's station wagon, puts the seat, gets in the car seat, puts the seatbelt on, yeah. they race to the hospital. Then she asks him what it was like, you know, with his first time with his lady friend, and and they're talking, and the music hits, and then he's out of the door and he's into the operating room. That he scrubs up with Flintstones. He takes his Flintstone vitamin. He scrubs up. He gets his his hands perfectly clean. Uh-huh. With uh, I think it was Dino, it was Dino soap, and because uh-huh. he didn't like the regular soap, kind of he was scared of that. He gets totally his hands totally uh, uh, sterilized, and then he goes, he dives right in, and person's yeah. fine. Yeah, but they can't. He's got to be sure that these surgeries are not during nap time because he true. can't be tired. That's he can't true. Be tired. No, this is good. By the way, I just want to. You know, everyone should go watch this docu series, Doogie Hauser MD. It's it's good. It's it was a real life look at it. Me. Yeah, it's a real life look at what it's like to be a ten year old surgeon. Yeah, yeah, and really well done. But but it's but well done. I, imagine if you took all of the tuition that you pay for college, and I'm sure you know that number, and I'm sure it's high. And you said, all right. What do you love in the world? What do you, what, what do you love to do? And you don't have to be specific, but a few things, you know, that, you, that, that get you going. And you take all that money and you say, okay, go travel the world. You know what I mean? With this in mind. I mean, obviously, if you're going to be a medical doctor, you have to go to school. But if, 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 it's, if you're not going to be a lawyer or a doctor or, you know, something like that, it's like, okay, go, go see the world. Here's a billion dollars that we're going to pay for your tuition. Move around a little bit. Go, go get some life experience. It's probably more valuable than even four years of college. Unless this is the same child we're worried about not going to the frat party or getting busted by their RA. And now mm-hmm. they're in Thailand, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with a fistful of 50s that mm-hmm. was supposed to go to book purchasing and, right. and dorm payments. <laughs> And instead, they got it. They're playing like Russian roulette in Vietnam with, uh, <laughs> with Christopher with Walken. Chris Walken, and, and, yeah. And then they're, you know, these. So you got to weigh the pluses and minus. Maybe your kid's not but, ready at eighteen. Yeah, but who says roulette, Russian roulette with Walken in Vietnam is a minus? Well, it could be a big minus. No, but it could be. But you make it through. I mean, look, that's an amazing story. Amazing now life you're experience. A I, I just legend. don't see how that career ever goes. I mean, you can never have like a Tom Brady type run as, right. as like a Russian roulette champion because eventually no. the right. numbers are going to get you. I wonder if there is a Russian roulette champion. I wonder if you Google that, if there's a, you know. Margo? Margo, <laughs> get on that, please. How long they lasted, like how long their reign was. 
Uh, I think this is the first podcast. There's how many podcasts are out there right now? One million and what is it up to? One million sixty. It's got to be two million podcasts. Two million pod, two million and fifty-four podcasts. The first mm-hmm. one that's gone within five minutes from Doogie Hauser to Russian roulette with Christopher Walken <laughs> and a deer hunter reference. <laughs> yep. We're a uh, bit all over the map. <laughs> is that just from your your weariness from, from your travel with Adam Sandler? No. It's just letting your mind roam and be free. You know what I mean? And not having to yeah. worry about what's next. Living exactly in this moment. That's all. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break with more Daddy Issues. So I did this I did this direct TV show where it was an interview show and I'd sit down with Derek Jeter you know, whoever, Joe mm-hmm. Montana type people. And, and every time the last question that the producer wanted me to ask was what's next. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's no answer to that. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's, I don't know what's next. I'm going to go get in the car. Mm-hmm. And then what happens after that? I don't know. You're almost forcing somebody to be profound Mm-hmm. about their next move in life when most of the time i think you would agree with me as now i'm 53 and you're in your mid 40s that things happen when they happen and you can't go okay well then for the next in two years i'm going to be doing this and then the next year i'm going to do this and the next it just doesn't life doesn't work that way there is no what's now what's next is whatever happens and and yeah. i can't sit here and tell you that i am going to you know Unless what I'm leaving tomorrow to climb Mount Everest is next. Right. There's probably not a really accurate answer that anybody can come up with. So what were some of the answers, I guess, that you I, got? Some of like I, I asked that of Dennis Rodman. He's like, uh, I'm gonna go get in the car. You know, that yeah. that's where his mind was. And then yeah. <laughs> you asked Derek Jeter and and he paused and thought about it so long, I think they probably took it out. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's just everybody, <laughs> nobody, it was at no point did any what's next question elicit a response. It was like, oh, wow, that yeah. sounds unbelievable. Like, I'm going to go write 10 children's books and I'm going to backpack across the Sahara and I'm leaving right. on Monday. That that was never the, the answer. I can't even tell you what any answers were. This was three years ago and I don't remember. You should have changed it ago. to, it should have been. So, who are you really? That That's the last question. One. Yeah. Well, we got to at the end of it, and I I came up with it. I was like, okay, we've got Terrell Davis, you know, great running back, Hall of Famer for the Broncos, or we've got uh, whoever I can't think of anybody's name right now. John Elway doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And if you just basically ask them a simple question at the end. What makes a great running back? Mm-hmm. What makes a great quarterback? What makes a great announcer? What makes a great actor? Mm-hmm. I, it, it's very James Lipton, but you find that these people have never been asked that question. Mm-hmm. And they're like, huh, um, what makes a great running back? Uh, vision. 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 Balance. Um, mm-hmm. Anticipation. Mm-hmm. Um you know, kind of having that sixth sense of knowing when a hit's coming and avoiding the major contact, getting small when you need to get small, whatever it is. You know, mm-hmm. what makes a great defensive end? Being able to bend and a big body to bend and get around the edge and get to the quarterback, whatever it is. But just it's sometimes the simple questions when you're interviewing somebody, and, and this is, I don't know, this is for our master class in broadcasting, but when you're asking, the simple question sometimes when it's so open-ended, you get a, you get an answer you would never expect. Mm. So I will ask you now, Oliver, mm-hmm. and I'm serious, and I want you to okay. really answer okay. this. All right, let's do it. For somebody that grew up mm-hmm. in an acting family, yeah. <clears throat> uh, what makes a great actor? <sighs> I don't think there's any one thing that makes somebody a great actor actor everyone does it differently from daniel day lewis 
to Vince Vaughn, to Kurt Russell, to Brando, whatever, what, what, however it is, everyone has their style. Everyone has their preparation, their way of doing things. So I think what makes someone a great actor is what works for them. And ultimately, it's just getting into the moment of reality, trying to find the reality of the moment. And however one gets there, it's, that's their process. But at the end, when you're doing a scene... It's about the real portrayal of that moment. But there's a asterisk that goes there. It depends on the tone of the movie or TV show. It depends on the genre. You know, it depends on a lot of things. Because some people will, they're living in a heightened world. The movie's a little more heightened. So reality has to be heightened. You know, sometimes you're doing a, a, a movie or a TV show where it's really down. It's dark and it's quiet and... You know, it's angst-filled. So, you know, it's the different portrayals of reality, I guess. That's why it's a true collaboration, because you have to listen to your director, and you have to listen to your writer, and, you know, you have these discussions. But at the end of the day, I think it's about the portrayal of reality, you know, making yeah. people feel something. And I like, I like when you don't know the whole truth, meaning there's something about that actor or performance that they're not quite telling you everything or there's something behind it. There's a secret, even if there's not, you know what I mean? It keeps people sort of guessing in a sense. But that's my answer, you know, and I think it would probably go the same with you because it's a style, you know, there's styles of acting. If you notice, you look at Tom Cruise, Harrison Ford, all whatever. They can be in any role, but there are idiosyncrasies of that actor that that travel with them from part to part. Always. There's no doubt. And then writers and shows take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And they write like I, I thought I can't for the life of me. It maybe was it. What was the what was the show with that was on HBO? The Shape of Thing? No, uh, it was it was uh, Hugh Grant and uh, oh Nicole Kidman. Yeah, uh, where he's a doctor. He's yeah. like an oncologist. Yeah, it's like a whodunit. And, and it's a whodunit, but the yeah. whole time every clue points to Hugh Grant doing it. Mm -hmm. But you go into the process. The yeah, undoing. the undoing. Thank you. Yeah. You go into the you go into the viewing of it, liking Hugh Grant and believing that he's a great guy based on past roles that he's had. Like, well, there's no way Hugh Grant would be the killer, even mm -hmm. though it is so odd. There's no other person really, unless it was the kid, yeah. that, that could have done it. Yeah. So, but but they but the writers and the show takes advantage of you liking that actor. Yeah. And so you're you're willing to overlook so many things and go, well, he did. It's clear that that guy did it. But even toward the very end, when the thing flips 29 times. Yeah. And and it's like, OK, but it's still him. It's still him. But I still don't want to believe it because it's Hugh Grant and everything. Yeah. He was so great in Notting Hill. Oh, yeah. awesome. Well, then <laughs> how could he have killed the girl in an HBO thing 15 years later? Well, OK. I, yeah. That, they well, take that advantage of that. It's funny you even bring that up because, you know, my parents were watching it. We were all watching it sort of at the same time. And there was always everyone was sort of texting or whatever, like, what do you think? Uh, and, and right from the when I saw the preview before I even watched the, the show, I was like, oh, he, it's Hugh Grant. There's no world where Hugh Grant, who has done so many things. And I, don't, I think this was his first foray into TV. He's not going to come and do this show unless he's the fucking guy. You know what I mean? Like well, that's, he's gonna even, that's even the next level. You know too much. So you're like yeah, flipping I, I, it. You're exactly. thinking this career. I, I, in my mind, thinking, okay, Hugh Grant's reading the script. And he's like, oh, shit, I get to be the killer. I've never played the killer. I've never been that guy. And so that's what was appealing to him. If he was not the guy, he'd be like, oh, okay. I'm just Hugh Grant, the nice guy, I guess. And. You know, you're going to make it make me a bit of a red herring. But at the end of the day, it's the kid. He's like, nah, nah, I want to I want to be the fucking guy. And so that's where I 
knew immediately when I just saw the trailer. I'm like, oh, well, it's Hugh Grant. I mean, there's just no doubt. <laughs> That's so funny. You're thinking of his career choices. Yeah, Everybody else thinking is thinking of his, of his career. Yes. You're thinking of his choices going forward as a yes, exactly. 58-year-old guy or whatever he is. Going, yeah. yeah I, no, I don't want, I don't want that. I, I, yeah. I'm tired of playing the stuttering, foppish, cutesy British guy. I'm, yeah. I want to lose my mind and bash somebody over the head. Yep. Yep. I was, I was looking out, I was looking at his career choices, just like you said, it wasn't even about the, the content. I was like, Oh, well, as a choice, he's going to make the choice to be the, the killer. There's no world where he doesn't. Yeah. And even <laughs> at the end, that show was so good. So good. So yeah. good. So good. So good. Like the, mm-hmm. the ending was like, uh, now we're in a car chase. Now yeah. we're. It's hard. <laughs> Sometimes those shows are really hard to, to end. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. The whodunits are really good. And then the minute you find out who did it, it's easy to have a letdown. You know, it's, it's a, those are hard ones to sort of wrap up really nicely. We're like, well, oh, I mean, shit. even like, what was the world's scariest movie? The Michael Douglas Glenn Close one? The Boiling oh, Rabbits? Yeah, yeah. Fatal, Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. I mean... Can we just have one of these things? And I know this movie's a hundred years old, but they're all the same. Where, okay, she's drowning in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. It's over. We're all wrapping up. Everybody's you know, Michael Douglas and his wife have the beautiful moment or the hug and the you know we made it through this nut job and whatever. And now out of the bathtub she comes. And now it's like, oh my God, come on, just one time. Can the mm-hmm. can the final blow actually be the final blow? Or do right. we just have to constantly Oh, he's not dead yet? It's like Friday the thirteenth. It's like uh Yeah. It can't no, just no, end it's, it's, it's difficult though, because you wanna you wanna end with something satisfying or the, some sort of closure of some kind or a big climax and then maybe like a you know, a false climax to another one. You know, it, it's just that's it's hard, and, and especially with horror thriller. You know, you're it, once they you keep that suspense. The filmmakers are keeping that suspense, and it's so good. And you're like, oh, but the good ones, oh my god, it's fucking good it's shot. And the minute that it's revealed, you know who the killer is, or whatever that plot twist is, the air gets so let out of that balloon where you're like, oh, okay, now I got another twenty minutes to watch this thing wrap up. You're like, I'm I'm done. I, I got it. I, and now he's the guy right. now. Now now they're gonna get him and capture him and man. And there's a helicopter and a floodlight. Yeah, uh, you know, M. Night Shamlanahan, who you know, obviously his uh, <laughs> his uh, his uh, early movies were great. Like Sixth Sense was amazing. You know, and and that that was an example of uh, keeping it amazing the entire time. You know what I mean? You're like, right. holy shit. He did a good job of that. Yes. Once. Once. Oh my God. We watched, um, we watched, uh, it's called old. I think it's one of his latest movies. And I was watching with Aaron and, and, um, Aaron and, and Rio, no, Aaron and Bodie. And man, it was just, I was like, what is going on? It's almost like he's got his formula. He knows how to make his dough now. And he's just going to sort of hammer away at it, you know? And yeah. it's just like, he, he's almost just punching a clock, it's, it looks like. Uh, right, yeah. No, it's it's. I'll never be hired by M. Night. My career uh, is over okay. with him. I think, yeah, well, I think you're okay <laughs> on that front. You can, if what you, if you, he you're going to strike up. If he's listening, he's one of our avid, most like crazy listeners. Yeah. Like, fuck these guys. I know. I would ruin he, Oliver Hudson. He can't touch he me. Might, he might even have an offer in right now for his next movie for me to be in. And he's going to listen to this and be like, oh, my God. Fuck this guy. Yeah. 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 I was the one that said it. I mean, every movie got worse. It's maybe that's yeah. it's an it's a movie about his movies constantly getting worse. <laughs> Maybe he's a genius. And at the end, his final one is going to incorporate all of that work. And it was all some sort of a ruse right. on us. On us. We've, we're all at his experiment. It makes me think of one time. Thank <laughs> God this happened before social media. I'm doing a game of the week on Fox baseball game. We were in St. Louis of all places. 
I don't think I, this might be one story I've not told four times on this podcast. Yeah, no, I've and never heard this. We're, we're sitting in the booth and, and it's me and McCarver and you, you've met Steve Horn, the long haired guy that works with mm -hmm. me. And he's my information guy and a hundred times smarter than I'll ever be. And somehow Tim said the word, it's an illusion. I said, ah, oh, what are you, Doug Henning over there? Now, for people of a certain age listening to this podcast, they don't have any idea who Doug Henning is. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I do. I would. He was one of the first magicians. He had a Broadway show. He was such a big magician. It was like, it's an illusion. Like, Google mm -hmm. Doug Henning. Mm -hmm. and, and the picture in and of itself is, is amazing. I mean, it's... <laughs> I could make really mean jokes, but I'm not. So, right. uh, <laughs> should have invented Invisalign. I'm just going to say that. Uh, so, I'm doing the game, and I said, Woody, Woody, Doug Henning over there? And then another pitch, foul ball off to the right. I'm like, you know, speaking of Doug Henning, where's he been? This is like in the mid-90s, mid to late 90s. Right. Like, Where's he been? Another pitch down and away, ball one. I mean, well, you know, now come to think of it, maybe this is his greatest trick of all time. In five years, he's going to pop up and go, ta da. <laughs> I'm saying this in a baseball game. Like, oh it's, it's his greatest disappearing act of all time. In five years, he's going to pop up and go, ta da. Yeah. And, I, and I can just sense that Steve Horn is sitting. Th two feet to my left yeah. is panicking. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> and I look over and he's he's like typing something in. He's on the phone. And and I look over and all Steve Horn does <laughs> is go. Thumbs down. <laughs> thumbs down. And that was his way of saying he had died. So I was making oh. fun of a dead magician. Oh. Who I loved as a kid. I mean, I absolutely My loved as a kid. I saw a God. show on Broadway. And how'd you recover from that? I was like, I, I just acted like I never said it. Just, you kept just going. let it go. I think it was picked. I think it was picked up in TV Guide. Right, because back then, you're so. I mean, imagine you doing that right now. Oh my God, I'd be laughed off the. I'd be laughed <laughs> off the air. Oh my God. Like I, I had another one prior to. Uh, to social media cardinals are playing arizona in the nlcs in 2001 so we know that social media does not date back to 2001 because this mm -hmm. wouldn't have happened and uh tony womack is get delivers the game winning hit and like two innings earlier he, he does a walk-off base hit and they win this division series against the cardinals and I'm doing it on national TV. It's at nighttime. It's big audience. And and earlier in the night, we talked about how Tony Womack had lost his father. And and like it was either on Father's Day that year, mm -hmm. his dad had passed away, or it was, I don't know, it, it, his dad died and then he couldn't play on Father's Day because he was so distraught, whatever it was. He gets the game-winning hit. He comes running back. They, they're all celebrating. They put a headset on his head down by the on-deck circle. And I'm doing the interview from up in the booth down I'm like, Tony, oh, my God, what does that feel like to get a walk off hit to win the division series? Like, ah, oh, this is unbelievable. And as I'm as I'm talking, this woman comes in and gives him this huge hug. And I'm of the mode where this guy's like a young kid who just got the game winning hit. And I've just mm -hmm. been talking about him losing his dad. I'm like, oh, and, and who's hugging you right now? Tell everybody who, who is who that is. Is that your mom? And like the needle comes off the record and he goes oh. no man that's my wife <laughs> and I, i'm like oh, oh, oh my okay. god I, I said oh please apologize to her i can't and i could barely see her because it was, it was a mob of people and so then i raced down there at the end of that when we got off the air and i went up to him and, and i didn't know him at all and i yeah. said hey tony i'm joe buck i interviewed you from the booth said, I am so sorry. Please tell your wife. I'm so sorry. And, and he was laughing about it. He was totally yeah. great. And then I, ended, I got her I got her a uh, bouquet of roses the next day, oh sent him God. to her house. I was like, I feel so bad. And, and then he became a cardinal and became a guy that I knew really well. And he was phenomenal. Yeah. But 
And wow. For that moment, there is no worse feeling on live national network TV to yeah. jam, not stick, jam your leg, not your foot, your leg into your oh. mouth. And just you want to just dig a hole in the booth and never come out. Oh, that's tough. That's tough. Well, so in, a, your, in a career as long as yours, I mean, you must have a bunch of those where you just, uh-oh. I mean, that's just part There's of the deal. There's a few that stand out. Yeah. Yeah. If you're enjoying this episode of Daddy Issues, don't keep it to yourself. Please share the love and tell a friend about Daddy Issues and go subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We that's right. You. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming up right after the break. I'm actually in Dallas uh, because I'm giving a speech tomorrow for, I think, a thousand people for Deloitte. What are, you, what are you speaking on? Well, so normally the easy way out of a public speech for me is to take questions and I just do Q&A. They want me yeah. to be up there for an hour. And I'm like, yeah. let's just do, I'll give 60 minutes of the best q and I'll be yes. open. I'll be funny. It'll be spur of the moment. I'll interact with them. They're going to love it. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there initially it was supposed to be 40 minute speech, 20 minutes of Q and a, I'm like, mm-hmm. I just want to do all Q and a, and I go through CAA. They're like, no, they won't do that. Mm-hmm. And they're paying me a lot of money to be here. And I'm like, all right, well, what's the most we, we can do. And I think it's down to 30, 30. So I have to mm-hmm. give a 30 minute speech tomorrow. That's which so I, long. It's just not my thing. Like I'm, I, I'm not a you plus hard work equals success or right. You know that that kind of like I'm not there to motivate but, people. But hold on, what is this for? And 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 what do they expect? What are they expecting of you as far as the theme of the speech? Is it like it's it's like the, the insurance company is, and like you need to motivate our our workers? I think it, all of these things, whether I'm doing insurance or talking to some hedge fund guys or I, I don't know. I assume mm-hmm. that they all want motivation to, to work harder. And it's mm-hmm. funny for me to motivate as we've talked about a million times in this podcast, I almost feel guilty for my career being somebody's son being. So I thought about that, about talking about seizing opportunity and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how the opportunity presents itself or when, or you have to be ready for it and you have to be willing to outwork whoever's next to you to, Mm-hmm. to make the most out of it. And I feel like if I think back on my childhood, opportunity for me came with when and how I was born being kind of mm-hmm. a mistake mm-hmm. to coming into the world. My dad's career takes off right about the same time. He becomes the lead guy in St. Louis. He gets some network opportunities. He has had this family with six kids that he wasn't a great dad to. And now he wants to invest in his son and I'm going everywhere with them and having these opportunities and paying attention as a little kid and being able to, you know, like I referenced a master's class. I mean, that's what it was every day. I was sitting in the booth, two seats down from my dad, watching him watch the game as I'm listening to him broadcast in a little one piece headphone and watching him do his thing every night. And so mm-hmm. when I got started at 19 at AAA and big leagues at 21 and network at 25 and World Series at 27, I I had taken advantage of all these opportunities that I was given that were not given to my brothers, half brothers and half sisters. Mm-hmm. And and I I was ready for these moments that came much earlier than they typically come for anybody. So I think that's kind of where I'm going to go with this thing. Yeah, and, and I like say, that. That's good. Say, you know, everybody's going to have opportunities. And you may not be sitting there as the son of a Hall of Fame broadcaster, but, you know, I'm in a room where people are, they're looking at upstart businesses. And um, these upstart businesses are trying to sell their ideas to these these investors. And so Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity on both sides there. It's an opportunity for somebody's life's work to be seen by the right people. It's basically like Shark Tank tomorrow, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it's it, there's opportunity on both ends of that spectrum. Uh, that well, it's also in the upstart business world. It's about finding the opportunity within the deal as well. Meaning, like, pick a piece. You know, is there something within this in the concept of what you're trying to sell that you that that you can find an opportunity to you know take advantage of 
given your stature and who you might know. You know what I mean? Because yeah, oh yeah, there's because no you can find those opportunities where your foot might already be in the door with your life within a faction of of the of whatever this deal is. You know, so it's finding it's it's finding those opportunities too within what it is you're trying to accomplish. Well, I mean, I think that's what goes with going into any meetings they may have already had or will have the rest of the day and, and really being aware and alert of the width and the breadth of these deals and say, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this doesn't work for me, but this piece of it does. And and I know this person to put in touch with this person. Mm-hmm. It can make this small idea bigger. Right. And the you know opportunity I mean? just, the opportunity it comes from a bit of research too. And I know this, it's funny because when I do my, pitch meetings or whatever and i know who's going to be in the room or in this case on zoom nowadays as far as the executives go i'll google the executives and sort of deep dive them a little bit and i'm like oh shit look this this woman um you know she actually was going to colorado she grew up sort of just outside of this and this and that or uh you know she's a you can find relatable things yeah. Or now you're connecting on a personal level and maybe maybe the business side of it, you don't have that connection, but something more personal you do, which then creates a camaraderie and a connection with the person who you're trying to sell in a sense. Well, I think I think that's that's probably the most important piece is having a connection and, and not just going in. Like if I'm going in to sell something, like in your case, you're going in to sell, you have to be willing to listen to. You have to be willing this can't be a full-on full-court press. This has mm-hmm. to be give and take, and you have to be willing to listen to what they come back with in the moment and react off that and accept what it is that they're saying and, and be able to shift. And sometimes, you know, you go in with one idea of selling one thing and you maybe something else you have is, is a better fit for that company. Mm-hmm. And you won't know that until you're interacting with them and you sure as I won't know it unless you have your ears open and you're listening right. to what it is they're saying. Cause yeah. So I, I think there's some, something to that too, that, you know, and, and that's kind of how I, I've always gone about my career is not just well, being, you, yeah, you've got, you got it. Like you literally just did the speech. <laughs> right. Right. But this will hit, this will hit on Thursday and the speech is on Wednesday. So it's good. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not letting okay. anything out. Yeah, no, but I think, I think you're good. I think a half hour will go by quick. And then it's like, all right, any questions? Hey, any questions about Troy Aikman here in Dallas that I can answer for you? Right, because then the questions will be have nothing to do with any of this wisdom you're trying to impart on no, these people. there won't be one. No, yeah, no. I'm, about five minutes in, you said something that was really interesting. That that will never come out of anybody's no. mouth when they're at. No, no. It's going to be like, what's the craziest you moment more. you've had in the booth? Right. Well, funny you should say that. Tony <laughs> Womack got a game-winning hit. And his, <laughs> he lost his dad on Father's Day that year. And he put it on a headset. And yeah, This is that's good. That's a, I'm sure you will end up telling that story. <laughs> I will. I got of that. Course. I got the, the the untimely death of Doug Henning, who's still yep. in the midst of his greatest trick. Yep. Uh, he still hasn't come back yet. There's uh, no ta-da. No, there's no ta-da. Hey, uh, I really, how's the broken arm boy, by the way? He's good. I'll, I'll send you video, and I'll send it to Margo, too, uh, that, I mean, this kid, Christian, Trudy's boyfriend, who's five times stronger than me plays in the NHL is literally throwing him 10 feet into the air in the pool. Mm-hmm. He's smashing down the pool with his arm. We took batting practice yesterday. He's with a cast and then we hit <laughs> balls and I'm like, it's fine when he makes contact with the golf ball, but yeah. he's so short and he, the clubs are so long. Half the time he's just smashing the club down into the ground behind the ball. Oh, God, and I'm like, yeah. that's got to just kill his, I mean, he's got a broken funny bone in his right yeah. arm. He's like, Eh, eh, and he, you know, he's hitting it into the ground, and I'm like, "Is that hurt? That's is that hurting you at all?" No, I'm fine. Did we? So, did we? Did our last? Did we cover this on our last podcast? Did we talk about that he has a broken arm? Yeah, uh, I don't think yes. we did. We did. No, we had to because we when we went down to Cabo. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Margo, yeah. We to did. everyone. Yes. Yeah, we can't remember anything. We're like the no, awful people at a party that come back around and tell you the same story. 
over I know. and over again. <laughs> I know, totally. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so he's uh, how's he doing? He's got a, he's got an appointment on the seventh, and then they will X-ray it, see if the healing has happened, and if it has, I guess they take the cast off, and if it hasn't, then they take the cast off and they put a new one on, which has got to feel good anyway. So, well, so uh, could be a big day given the, the videos that you have sent me. And what you're telling everyone right now with batting practice and golfing and pool throwing, I, I suspect he might have his cast on a little longer. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the thing. I'm like, are we setting this back? But he's and he's fallen 200 times with this thing. And it, yeah. the noise that that cast makes. When oh, it gets like, clunk, 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 clunk. Yeah, it's like, clunk, clunk. It's like, I, I can't even. Oh, <laughs> it's just it turns my stomach. Uh. My mom, I can tell you how many times my mom would, when I was growing, I wish it was me and not you. And mm -hmm. I wish I was the one sick and not you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, give me the broken arm. I don't want him having a broken arm. I'll walk around with a cast. I don't care. Yeah, um, I know. I but know. I, he has not complained about it one bit, which means that that whole milking things for, for, for all that they're worth and then some comes over time. I don't mm. think that's innate. I think mm -hmm. people are willing to move. Like he, he's not like, oh, mommy, I want another ice cream. My arm mm -hmm. hurts. It's it's just he doesn't I think, care. Yes, I, I, again, question of whether it's that's learned or if that's innate. You know, I, I think I part of it learned. is innate. I think part of it's innate because you know I've got my kids and and, and you know Wilder, my oldest, is one way, and Bodie and Rio, they're all different. You know what I mean? Like Wilder milks it no doubt. And Bodhi is pretty self-sufficient when it comes to being sick or school or whatever, you know? So, yeah. and they were raised the same. I, I, you know, I think there's sensitivity, you, you know, differentials with the kids and one needs more coddling and the other one's like, I got it. I got it. Just leave me alone. I can deal with it. You know? Right. No. Yeah. There's no doubt. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break with more Daddy Issues. So I'm going to ask you these questions that Margo put on our little email. Okay, good. I'm going to go through them. These are uh, brain teasers from Neil Patrick Harris. How about that? Doogie Howser. Uh, what? His game. His game. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> And his game, the, the game is amazing. Is is amazed. So you, we're we're that this is just is meant to be fucking funny. Wow, weird. Okay, I'm gonna ask you. I, I've okay. read through these once. There's I some read that I don't yet. know. There's some. There's some that you know right away. Okay. Like what can you catch but not throw? A cold. Right. Um, I'm in no way to Margo, you're going to have to get on here and, and voice whatever, when we're wrong or right. Cause I can't, I'm on, did you, but and I'm you on are, an iPad. Did, so. did you cheat? Did you already like look them up and everything or did, no, they're, they're, I read about three of them that that's the first one. And I knew that. Okay. One. okay. When you have, I, I don't know this one. I don't think when you have me, you feel like sharing me, but if you do share me, you don't have me. What am I? When you have me, you feel like <laughs> 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 that's the answer to every one of these. Wait, 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 say it, say it again. When you <laughs> when you have me, you feel like sharing me. Mm -hmm. If you but if you share me, you don't have me. What am I? Oh my god! Have me? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> is, it, is it syphilis? It is not syphilis. It is, is it? a secret. Uh, that's gonna be our it's gonna be our response every time. Uh, mm. I'm like, it's gonna sound like a the, the farm report. Uh, mm. If you were running in a race mm -hmm. and pass the second place person, what place are you in? If you're running in a race. Mm -hmm. and you pass the second place person, what place are you in? Oh, I know it. 
I mean, you might want to say second, but that doesn't it's probably not right. It's second, right, Margo? Second, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You think you would think it would, it would be first, first. But no, yeah. yeah, my brain didn't even go to first. Mine did. So what does that Mine tell did. you? <laughs> uh, I'm at the end of time, space, and life. What am I? Oh, you're gonna hate this one. I'm at the end of I- time. Space and life. You don't believe in any of it. So, yeah, God. Way more uh, literal. No, I mean, I know what it is. Oh, what is it? E. The letter yes. E. Yes. Oh. Uh, I start with M and end with X and have a never ending amount of letters. What am I? Start with them. I mean, you got oh. in at four a.m. Oh <laughs> gosh, uh, Max. <laughs> uh, Is it Max? I, I it's. Uh, I think it's something that a postman uses. Mailbox. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, <laughs> a, a construction mm. worker fell off a 100 foot ladder but didn't die how is that possible he was on a bridge over water Ooh, good thought he no was, he was he fell mm-hmm. off a 100 foot ladder into a ball pit no Josh <laughs> no I feel like Oliver was going to get there you were, yeah, I can feel it. Ladder. It's not about where the ladder is. It's about where he is. Off a building? On the ladder. Oh, he was only on the first rung. You got it. I mean, I kind of do. Oh, gave- God. <laughs> the ladder was 100 feet. The ladder still could have been over a ball pit, though. No, Josh. <laughs> or over water. <laughs> or over water. In, in, what game, in what game do winners move backward and losers move forward? Squid games. <laughs> <laughs> winners move backward. Golf. And losers move. No. No. Winners move backward. You well, they kind of do because it's minus. Candyland. Summer camp. Sorry. Play this. It's like a physical game. Winners move f- backwards. Shoots and ladders. Leapfrog. Shoots and ladders isn't so physical. Leapfrog. Like, what is it? Tug of war. Oh. Oh. Mm. oh okay, two more. Oh. If if your aunt's brother is not your uncle, what relation is he to you? If your aunt's brother is not your uncle, what relation is he to you? Well, if my aunt had a dick, he'd be my uncle. If your aunt's uh, brother is not your uncle, aunt, your 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 in law, it's like it's so like real- obvious. You're gonna just kick yourself. Your aunt's brother. Your aunt's your aunt's oh, brother. Your aunt's brother. Your aunt's is not brother. Your uncle. He's your no. Dad. It's your cousin. Yes, he's your dad. He's your dad. <laughs> oh right, uh, Jesus. Uh, <sighs> All right, last one. I think I know Uh, this one. What what has a neck but no head? A guitar? No, I was going to say something dirty. Guitar. Nope. Oh, man. A neck? That's true. What's the head of a guitar, then? (laughs) What has a neck? You drink beer out of it. A mug. Oh, a bottle. a mug. <laughs> how did we? How did I lose to you on Celebrity Family Feud? 
That's what I don't get. I don't know. I don't like these little riddles. I can't do it. A bottle? A beer bottle? Bottle. Beer bottle. Yep. A bottle. Yes. But what is the head well, of a guitar go. then? I, I, how is my answer well, wrong? Send your, send, your, send your complaints to Neil Patrick Harris, a.k.a. in care of Doogie Hauser, MD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and use a stamp uh, and put it in your mailbox because it has a never-ending amount of letters. <laughs> well, that Neil Patrick circle. Harris's mailbox does. Yes. Well, that has a never-ending amount of letters. Dear Doogie, uh, I have a weird Dukes. growth on the end of my toe. <laughs> what when should do you, I do? When do you do this uh, speech? Tomorrow? Tomorrow. I'm out of the door at 1.30. I go to Trinity Forest, play golf, and then I fly home. Ooh. You golf everywhere you go. Like, you really no, do, I, huh? I figured something out, Oliver, on this trip. This this is a very good trip for me. Really? Yeah, I, I I shot seventy four in the big game and won a yep. bunch of money. Oh, hold on, then then we're gonna go, we're gonna leave. But but just w- w- is this something you figured out that's gonna last like a month and then you're gonna be angry again? No, no, because it, it's changed the entire way I've ever thought. Like I, I my hands have always we've you and I have talked about this a thousand times. But my hands come back and then I get long and then I get narrow. Mm-hmm. Now I'm taking it back. As far as I'm getting that full stretch out, mm-hmm. but my hands now, to me, feel like they never come up above my waist. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, and mm-hmm. I video it, I'm like, well, Jesus, I'm right there. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, it's nowhere near down where, I, where my mind tells me my hands are. Mm-hmm. And now I can just, I have all that room to swing. I like, I have a, I have like openness to the hole. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain, but I, before I was like, trying to mm. I was jammed up now I'm mm. I'm out and I'm long and I'm powerful and it's mm. it's night and day and I That's was great. there years ago but I over time I just got narrower narrow narrow longer arm longer arm longer arm and now it feels like the swing is half but it's a hundred times more powerful did you play one round or multiple rounds played two rounds with that hit balls the next day Went right back in it, fell right back in it. It wasn't. How like, was your I, How was your second round? Like seventy four, and then you know, did you keep seventy eight? But that, I just missed putts. But yeah. I, I've actually putted really well. Yeah. Shit canned my pencil grip. Shit canned all that stuff. Just went back yeah. to normal putting and yeah. made putts that broke hearts. So it was oh, like night and day. Oh, good, good. So now I like I'm excited to play golf. I'm not like oh I know. my god, am I going to get the ball in the air? I know, isn't it funny how that works? I, I'm kind of pumped on golf right now too, actually. You should be. Um, all right, let's leave. But when are you are you coming to LA anytime soon or no? Or am I seeing, when am I uh, seeing the you? Bel Air Bel Air member guest. Oh, Bel-Air. that you invited me to that I couldn't go to. Bel-Air the swinging member bridge. Guest. 22nd we'll be out there the 25th or sorry 21st through the 25th so are we be around at least no i'll be in albuquerque 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 take a left turn at albuquerque <laughs> nobody knows what that is but i do uh-huh Isn't that bugs bunny yeah albuquerque albuquerque uh yeah well damn it that sucks um. Well, just fly me to St. Louis. Figure it out. Okay, you got it. All right, Joe. I love you, and I, I love you. you, and I love Doogie Hauser, and I actually love M Night Shyamalan, and I, I love do Doug too. Henning. For the record, I love M Night Shlam- Sham Sham Shyamalan. Shyamalan. I love M Night Shyamalan. And uh, you know, you know what? Somebody's gonna because he's an avid listener. This somebody's gonna go up to yeah. him and he's gonna go, "What do you think of Oliver Hudson's career?" And M Night Shyamalan's answer is gonna be, "I see dead people." <laughs> <laughs> it will. <laughs> That's exactly what's gonna happen. <laughs> I quote young Haley Joel Osment when I say this regarding Oliver's career: "I see dead people." <laughs> Oh man! Well, M Night, you know I love you, buddy. So 
I mean, I am for hire. You know, whatever. Yeah, don't let this podcast ruin. Yeah, don't don't ruin my could... career, please. Thank you. Um, all right, all right, buddy. Take care. You take Love care. Love to Margo and Josh and all of my friends at Daddy Issues Podcast, brought to you by Cavalry Media. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Listen to Daddy Issues on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Daddy Issues is a production of Cavalry Audio and iHeartMedia, produced by Margot Carmichael. Sound engineering and editing by Josh Windisch. Executive produced by Joe Bach, Oliver Hudson, Dana Brunetti, and Keegan Rosenberger.